0: everyone and welcome to the Tightwad Tech episode 10 SpiceWorks for the week of September 2nd 2010. In this episode will follow up on some listener recommendations and look at a tool called SpiceWorks, actually a suite of tools called Spiceworks. Yep. Teachers, I'm just going to let you know up front. This is a very tech heavy episode. We're talking administrative stuff and inventory stuff and, and help user software. help desk stuff. Yeah. So this is not going to be uh, something directly applicable to your classroom, but hang with us. Um, and if you're still awake at the end, we've got some goodies for you in our tips of the week that I, I think will be interesting to you. Uh, but if, if not, if you just want to skip right over us, Hey, I understand. It's a busy life. And so we try to let people know up front uh, what each episode uh, holds. And this one is not for the classroom teachers necessarily. It's it's very geek-heavy. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, I guess we don't really have anything else to talk about. Is there anything you want to rant about, anything off-topic that uh, you'd like to talk about?
1: uh you know i just my mind's swimming we we've wrapped up the first week of school and right. uh, uh so that's about all i can think of is just we made it through the first week pretty pretty solidly this yeah. year so I'm speaking proud
0: of that. about off topic on topic uh, the uh, response from our last episode was interesting we had a couple of people <laughs> who uh, who said that we had just totally gone off the rails and and you know it was I always picture uh, a, a woman after 40 years of marriage looking at her husband and saying I don't even know who you are anymore it was kind of that that, yeah. uh, that tone uh, on the other hand we got a couple of emails that said best show ever yeah. so uh, if anything we've proven that we don't know what we're doing uh, we never know what to expect I uh, Um, you know, if, uh, but just, uh, you know, to sort of set the record straight, uh, we're going to review operating systems from time to time. We, uh, we reviewed the iPad, uh, and, and last time we, uh, reviewed the Android operating system. And, a while back we we reviewed linux mint and so you know they're not always going to be uh up your alley and and that's okay uh, yeah. but again uh for all those of you who hated it uh, there were others who said it was the best show ever and for those who thought it was the best show ever there were people out there who hated it so <laughs> there you go
1: well and we've learned something right i i think there's there's like a a central topic or uh you know idea that you want to get across and uh You know, we usually want to tie things into education, technology, and cheap. And uh, uh, maybe we missed the boat there. And that's probably where that came from, I imagine.
0: But the great thing is, you're paying attention. Right. Now, anytime somebody's passionate enough about something, what that says to me is you have ownership, right? You think that this show is your show. And that's exactly what we want you to think. We want you to have that sense of entitlement, that sense of ownership to say, this is my show, guys, and you're screwing it up. Yeah, you, um, you
1: guys blow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm I, I got nothing but love for every one of you. That was yeah. uh, it was great. Those of you who who uh, you know questioned my mother's marital status, you know, I got nothing but love for you. <laughs> um, I'm fine with that. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's great to hear feedback from my listeners, even when it's not positive, because uh, uh, we learn one way or the other. And yeah. if if nobody ever criticizes you, how do you grow? So, uh, yeah, uh, don't hold back. Let us have it. We're big boys. We can take it. So that's all I'm going to say about last week's episode. Now we're going to push on towards Spiceworks and I'm not going to keep our, uh, guests, uh, waiting on the wings any longer listening to us bab- babble. Uh, but today we have, uh, Tabrez Syed, uh, of Spiceworks. He's, uh, Spiceworks Director of Products and, um, and then uh, alongside him is Cole Lakes, who is a system support engineer for SpiceWorks. And uh, Tabrez is uh, SpiceWorks' director of products and uh, was employee number one. Is he? You get a little plaque that says serial number zero one or something like that?
2: Uh, no, maybe just an award for being uh, brave enough or stupid enough to go try it. But I'm happy I did.
0: Sometimes bravery and stupidity go hand in hand. Um, yes, yes <laughs> <right>. they do. <laughs> Only time can tell you <laughs> what <where> it was. <laughs> How long ago was that, Tabrez? Uh,
2: this was about four and a half years ago.
0: Four and a half years ago. So that that's when the company began or, or when they started hiring people?
2: Uh, that's pretty much when the company began. Okay. And uh, basically January 2006, the company started, and our first uh, beta didn't come out until June, July of that year.
0: Okay. And Cole Lakes is a system support engineer who, as I understand it, you started as a devoted user in, uh showed up in their forums all over the place, and they decided they might as well give you a paycheck. Is that about right?
3: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I started I've been using the product for about two years before I actually joined the company um, and just, you know, loved the community, loved the the courteousness and the support that was given, and then ended up talking to a few of the community members through IRC chat. And uh, as luck would have it, there was an opportunity that opened up that I jumped right on.
0: All right. And and in what, in what way did you use it? What was your uh, – uh, a field of, of expertise before you joined uh, SpiceWorks.
3: Well, I was actually a help desk technician at a couple different jobs. I implemented it um, before I was going to school and working full time as well. And I actually worked on campus, and we used something called Track IT, which was uh, not necessarily what we, we needed, nor did it work very well. Uh, our contract came up, and I actually heard about SpiceWorks through another job opportunity that I was applying for. I did some research on it and ended up installing and implementing it to the School of Business up at the University of Montana. Uh, As soon as I quit there, I went to another job in Montana and installed the same application and got them on board with it as well. So used that for our help desk mostly, did some inventory stuff as well, um, and then just got really devoted and really, really into the community because, you know, as, as an IT guy that's fairly fresh in the field, I don't know everything. So being able to access the community and ask questions and get answers in 10 minutes sometimes, it was really
0: useful for my job. And I got the credit for it. Well, I'm an IT guy with 20 years in the field, and I still don't know everything. So yeah. being fresh doesn't help much. Uh, yeah. so, so you replaced a commercial system that your university had a license for with this free system? Yep, that's exactly right. We love it when people do that. Yeah, that
1: that's awesome that it comes out of an education background. That's, that's great. Yeah, it
3: was great really cool um, just because the application works so much better than what we had and it was free. I, I got big kudos for that.
0: Okay. Well, let's just start right there. What is SpiceWorks? What does it do and, and what is it that turns you on about it?
3: Um, well, it's so basically what we used it for in that situation was mostly help desk support. So we had this user base of uh, faculty and staff and students that had requests and what we found we were getting a lot of requests lost or misplaced and basically we're following up and not not having the customer satisfaction that we needed. So we needed a tool that could track everything that we did and all the time and all the the different requests that we got. So what we did was we looked at Spiceworks and that really worked for us. Uh, The second piece of it that Spiceworks does well, uh, or one of the pieces, I should say there's several, is the inventory. So what you can do is actually scan your entire network, um, any machine that's connected to a LAN or WAN and it'll get an in inventory. If they're Windows machines, it'll tell you all the different software that's installed. It'll tell you um, if your warranty status is outdated, if it's a Dell, and basically keep everything in a really centralized location for you to keep track of. Uh, to put a general point on it, Spicebook is a uh, free network
2: management tool that allows you to do both the asset discovery of the hardware software running on your network, the status of all the printers, and a monitor to make sure everything is working. So if a disk is running out of space or somebody installed a piece of software they shouldn't have, and taking you out of license compliance, uh, all of those kinds of things, including, you know, network troubleshooting, kind of mapping out your network, seeing how things connect to each other. And then, as Cole was mentioning on the help desk side, uh, we have uh, the capability to help you track the work that needs to happen in your network, be able to communicate with your users and uh, provide them with updates on what's going on through a you know web-based user portal. And then the last facet of Firefox, which uh, people find very beneficial, and is the SpiceSuit community, which is basically a place to get answers to your questions, reach out to other people who may have solved the problem that you're facing already. Um, so that, in a general sense, is what SpiceSuit is.
0: So uh, is it componentized? Is the uh, the help desk separate from the inventory system, or is it all one interface? Uh, what, what does that look like?
2: Okay, so Spices itself is a very small, simple download, about 27 megs, and you install it on one computer in your network, and it has everything built right into it but we take great pains to make sure the UI and and user interface and the experience using the application is really simple so if you choose to use just for the help test that's great you can just start using the help desk uh, tab and uh, and start using that but some of the value that users find is that they start using the help test and they go you know what if I keep my inventory associated with the help desk, then tomorrow when I have to make a business case for why I need to upgrade the server I have all the tickets worked with it on the time spent and so they started using inventory like that. And just similarly, in the same way, they get involved in the community. For the first time, they have a question, they get an answer, and then they go back in and you know, pay it forward by helping somebody else out. Um, so you can use each component separately, and there's no reason to use all of them together. But most people start with one and kind of slowly work their way into all three.
1: Okay, so you, 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 I guess uh, the basic use case is somebody steps in looking for a good help desk solution. And, uh, kind of starts using that and then, you know, picks up, uh, one module or another at a time as, uh, as I guess as it makes sense for them. Is that right? Exactly. And,
2: you know, obviously it varies from environment to environment. Some folks, you know, come to us having used an Excel spreadsheet or, or an access database to keep track of everything. And they see Spyso can go, wow, that's kind of what I would have designed. I want to use it all from day one. And so it varies. And, uh, but that's kind of generally what we see. All
0: right. Let's talk about the help desk, uh, part of it. Uh, that's a... In the IT field, that's probably one of the most asked questions: is uh, you know, what's a good uh, help desk that does, that's free? You know, and and uh, we use a, a help desk system here, and and people often ask me about it, and and they'll say, "What help desk do you use?" And and I'll I'll, I'll generally answer the question that's coming before I answer that one. I'll say, "You don't want to use it; it's not very good." Um, <laughs> and yes. then uh, and then other people have the same thing. You know, does anyone know of a good free uh, help desk? system and usually the answer is well I know of a free one or I know of a good one but there doesn't seem to be a lot of good free ones out there um, so sell me on on Spiceworks why why should I change tomorrow to Spiceworks?
2: That's an excellent question and uh, I agree I think a lot of folks have a lot of great I mean tons and tons of solutions out there. Uh, what we think is the major selling point for all of Spiceworks and especially the health test is the simplicity. Uh, A lot of tools out there have a lot of functionality and capability, but they tend to be overloaded right from the beginning. And so by the time you just close out a simple ticket, you've gone through so many hoops that you're you're not sure what exactly you've done. So the Spicework system is very simple. You set it up, and then you can go, you know what? I'm just going to start working tickets. I don't even have to let my users know. I'm just going to track my work and track my time so I can show my boss where things are going. Just a couple of clicks, you work a ticket, you close it, Everything's in a very simple web UI that you can access from anywhere. Next step, you go, you know what? I'm ready to start allowing my users to submit tickets. They send me an email to helpdesk at mycompany.com. I'm just going to hook Spiceworks up to the email system and have it pick up those emails and convert them into tickets. It's a five-minute operation to set that up, and automatically users are getting notifications back from Spiceworks saying, hey, I got your ticket. I'm working on it. Here's the status. And now you've kind of taken the next step into having a mature helpdesk. And then very quickly from there, you can roll into an IT portal where you can have users come into the portal, submit tickets there, see the status of what's going on. But you can also provide answers to common questions that they ask and the status of servers and stuff like that so that you can just have them go, you know, next time you see this problem, just go check and see if I put a note up there that way you don't have to submit the ticket and I already know about it. Kind of just streamlining user experience and getting the feedback back to a user. And then as you get more advanced, you start to realize that You're, you know, off, uh, you know, away from your desk and you can work a ticket completely over email just remotely. You can set up more advanced things like, uh, rules and processing that say, you know what, this ticket for Mark because it has to do with the website and this ticket for Sean because it has to do with the phone system. And you can do those kinds of rules as well. But the key selling point would be the simplicity and the expandability. So it starts really simple, but it can really, really uh, serve the needs of your organization over time.
1: Well, uh, it, it sounds like, and mostly what we're hearing is, uh, more from the back end, the, the IT perspective and a lot of positive things. I'm curious, uh, have you gotten any feedback from that, that end user, the, the, well, for us, the teacher out there in the classroom or whatever, people that are actually having to access the system and submit a ticket. Um, you mentioned, uh, just sending an email. Is it, is it something that that's, that's all they do? Or is there a, is there a GUI that they go to, to submit a ticket? How does that work?
2: That's a good question. So, um, absolutely. So, it's uh, it's very simple. And today, it works. You know, directly over email. So, if they're used to sending email to you, they just continue to send email to you know, if it's help desk or IT or whatever alias you set up for them, uh, they just send an email, and then they get a note back that tells them what the status is and how things are going. Um, there is also a web based UI that's very simple, a web portal where they can go and see the status of the open tickets they have. And also, kind of close them and things like that. And the value to the users is that now they have a way of knowing what's happening to their request. So, their two requests open. What's the last time it got updated? Where, where, where should I go to find out more information about it? So, it keeps them in the loop as opposed to kind of stopping by and asking, "Hey, did you take care of my request? Did you buy that? Did you buy the router that I need? Or did you, buy, did you fix my computer yet?" Things like that. Uh, maybe Cole can add some perspective because they've actually implemented it at the, at the place he was working.
3: Yeah, so what I was thinking and what I was about to say is we actually implement this at a college, and I'm sure as some of you have dealt with, there's some teachers out there that are kind of adverse to change, don't necessarily like to see a new system. So since it's just, it's easy for them to just send another email, you know, they, they don't see any difference on their end, and support ends up being a lot better for the most part. Uh, what's cool is they'll get, them, every time you, you comment on the ticket, um, you can actually send them a request that says, it, or not a request. I'm sorry, a comment that says, "Hey, this is what I've done. This ticket. Here's where it stands right now. Here's the next steps." So that they're kept in the loop. They don't bug you. They stay out of your hair. But at the same time, they're content with what they hear from you.
0: Is it pretty? Being a, <laughs> yeah. being being in education, you know, that's the important thing. It's an iPad world. Is it pretty?
3: No, and that's actually. I'm kind of a visual person, so when I first installed SpiceWorks, I was really, really pleased with the way it looks. Um, but you can set up HTML templates for when you email somebody back. It'll look really pretty.
0: Okay. Could I put um, something on the login screen that says before you even log in, yes, the fiber's cut and nobody has Internet access? Is, is there a way to do that?
3: <laughs> Surprisingly, there is if they could get to that website with the fiber being cut.
0: Um, well, it, presumably actually, it'd be locally, right? I, I Well, that's a question we had not asked. Is this something I install on my own server, or yes, is it something that exactly. I connect to on your servers?
2: no you install it locally on your uh, on a server that you choose and everything runs locally so they can get to the get to the box
0: yeah and this user portal can it uh tie into my active directory database and so they can use their network username and password to get into it
2: exactly again with simplicity we don't what we do is we just use whatever is already on the network so you can have it use active directory to log the teachers in
0: okay so what i'm thinking here is from the standpoint of of the system we've had in place for years that nobody likes but gets the job done uh is is it worth the pain of change to uh to to move to this you know and and um honestly the pretty uh, might be enough in some cases yeah. uh so but I, that's just kind of what i'm thinking uh, and i'm trying to think of what our listeners might be uh, as well if if you've got something that you're using um that's working but nobody really is thrilled about it um you know I, I forget who said it but but there's a famous quote that says something has to be 10 times better than where you are to make the move seem worthwhile to the users so right. um i'm trying to uh, sell me on that a little more i i, I want you to convince me well, and and our listeners as well
1: i have got a little bit to that in mark cuz i think uh I think of all the times that I come up on a problem just out there in the wild as I'm, I'm moving around and uh, a teacher will bring something to my attention just because I happen to be there. You make
0: and, it sound like you're on safari in the jungle. Yeah, I the know. Wild.
1: <laughs> Sometimes it does feel that way. Uh, but they'll bring something to my attention and then they'll mention uh, you know, almost casually that, well, it's been like that for two months. Uh, so to me, if the pretty makes them want to jump in and open that ticket, then it's uh, then it's huge. right? So uh, that, uh, that's my two cents.
2: No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. And uh, obviously, you know, we've, we've had this kind of discussion with a lot of our users and they've given us their honest feedback on why they switched and how they switched as well. So based on all that I've learned, I'll, I'll give you a couple of pointers and just some advice to your users. The, the best thing to do is to just try it out because you can put it on another box, install Spiceworks, You know, don't have to tell your users about it, don't have to switch systems, just start playing with it. In fact, I've heard from plenty of users who had other systems in place, started working with it, and they just started to feel that the just even on the IT staff, before they rolled it out to the users, they felt very productive. It was fast, it was easy to use, and they got a lot more features out of it. And then they really started to ask, you know, this may be the thing to change, too. And sometimes, you know, you've got contracts and stuff like that, and what users have done is the next time they need to re-up or add more licensing or something like that, just switch to Spiceworks. And then on the user side, just as you play with it, you'll learn that it's very easy for the users as well. And you can, you know, try it out with a couple of users and see what they think. And all of that will make the switching really easy. And because it works primarily over email, you can easily just kind of point that email address over to Spiceworks and have it just pick those up. There's also some scripts and things available because we have a large community that allows you to import uh, some of the older tickets into SpiceWorks, So some systems, some people who've got older systems and want their history have been able to import into SpiceWorks
0: as well. So, so if I'm going to am so- of- sorry, were you going to say something? Oh,
3: sorry, I was just going to say, just to kind of add to that, you know, the download is tiny. Uh, basically, you just go to our website, click on download. It takes you through a couple steps. It's all one process, and it's free. So there's pretty much no reason you shouldn't. <laughs> all right.
0: So if I want to do that, all right, so I, I want to go out and I want to grab your product, what do I need? Uh, what are the prerequisites for it? Does uh, it, it require a Windows box? Uh, does it work on a Linux box? Do I need a SQL server? Anything like that?
2: Uh, good question. So we've tried to make it as simple as possible. So Spicebook is about a 26-meg download. It's an EXE that runs on any Windows computer. So a lot of our users will just say, you know what, I don't have a server. I'm just going to put it on my laptop and try it out. And then once I'm happy with it, I'll move it to a server. And so all it needs is a Windows box. It comes built in with its own database, with its own uh, uh, web server, everything. So you don't uh, need any additional software, no licensing required, nothing like that.
0: Are the components uh, open source at all?
2: Uh, We're built a lot on top of open source products like Apache and MySQL Lite and stuff like that. Spicebook itself is not open source.
0: Okay. Uh, so, how well does, is that going to scale? Or I, clearly, I can't leave it on my laptop indefinitely. But uh, let's say I put it on, you know, a, a decent Windows Server 2008 box. What, what kind of scaling can I expect out of it?
2: Um, so, uh, so again, it depends on the kinds of facets you're using and the size of networks and stuff like that. But let me just give you paint a spectrum of the of the kinds of people who use Spiceworks, right? So on the low end, you have anybody who has, you know, 250 employees that translates to about three, 400 boxes, all the way to some school districts that are several thousand uh, devices. And we recommend that most people, you know, use uh, SpiceWorks up to about a thousand device kind of limit if you're using the network uh, inventory piece. But we have had plenty of success stories of people with much, much larger networks as well. Um, and so... Uh, 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 the, the scale would kind of depend on number of tickets you process and the actual uh, uh, number of devices you support, but a medium-sized box can scale very well into the into 500-plus employees.
0: Okay. So I don't need Big
1: Iron to run this. No. Well, that's what I was kind of wondering is, uh, have you had any success with people running it in VMs?
3: Uh, lots of success.
2: In fact, uh, a lot of people do that with Pypers.
1: They even try it on VMs, and then they move the VM to the regular
2: server. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Do you have a VM out there we can download?
2: Unfortunately, because Spiceworks runs on Windows, um, ah, the, you know, yeah. the licensing <laughs> stuff, we don't have a <laughs> VM that you can try out like that.
0: Those darn licenses.
1: Well, that, that brings up the next question, though. Is there any plan in the future for uh, Linux versions, anything like that?
2: Yeah, in time, one of our biggest impediments is that uh, Spiceworks is very useful because it discovers all these Windows computers. And it, it requires no agent. so you only have to install a one box. But part of the magic that makes it happen is a Windows, is a Microsoft technology called WMI, which allows you to remotely discover these boxes. And unfortunately, if you're on Linux, you can't discover Windows boxes. And almost everybody has Windows in their in their network, and so we've we've primarily made it available on Windows, so we can support that.
0: Right, that
3: makes. Sense. Also, point out that we can we can scan Linux and Unix and Mac um, into SpiceWorks with the inventory. But the athlete, actual application needs to run on a server or on a uh, Windows machine.
0: So let's talk about that scanning. Do I just point it at my Class C private block of IPs and it goes to work?
3: Pretty much, yep. So there's actually a network scan page within within SpiceWorks, and basically what it does, you you set a scan range for IP addresses or host names. Uh, you give credentials. So if it's if it's Windows, you do WMI. If it's uh, Linux, you use SSH. Or like printers, you use SNMP. And basically, set the scans, let them scan themselves, and it goes finds the information from that machine and brings it back and puts it into the inventory tab within SpiceWorks.
0: And is it consistently rescanning? Is it, uh, it does it scan uh, on a scheduled basis?
3: Um,
2: yeah. So basically, what uh, SpiceWorks will do is uh, by default, out of the box, it scans uh, every 24 every 24, 12 hours, 12 hours to 24 hours. But you can customize it and you can say, look, my server lab, I want to scan every six hours, but all those uh, lab machines, I don't want to scan them every day, maybe every other day. Okay. So you can set all of those up. And then, as Cole was saying, you know, we can discover, uh, not only, you know, just uh, desktop and laptops and servers, but we can also discover routers and find routes on them and how much bandwidth is being used on each interface or virtual machines and find out, uh, how, you know, what ESX servers are running, what VMs and how, what has been allocated for them. Uh, on network routers, we can even in new in the new version coming up, uh, snapshot network config and back it up so that we can tell you when things change and help you fix problems and stuff like that.
0: Well, you let us perfectly into that. Let's talk about uh, your plans for the future. What what is uh, the what what version you're on right now, and and what are you working on, and and what can we expect out of SpiceWorks in the in the next year and in the next ten years?
2: Okay. So one of our mottos here is that you know we try to be everything IT. The point is. We want to provide as many of the tools free of cost that are needed by users to do their daily jobs. And so Spicebook started off four years ago being a simple inventory tool, and now it's marked into a pretty sophisticated tool that does a lot of what your daily tasks are. So currently we are on version 4.7, and the version we're working on right now and we're very excited about is version 5.0 of Spicebooks. And so, in 5.0, we're actually making adding a couple of uh, new big areas, but also going into a lot of new frontiers. So let's just talk first about the uh, the network piece. On the network piece, we're adding support for uh, discovery of virtualized uh, environments running hy- uh, my, the Microsoft hypervisor. Uh, and uh, on the network config side, we're actually building in a TFTP server that can snapshot configurations of routers and tell you when things change, because a common cause of problems on on uh, on networks is that, you know, a config change or some sort of a change took place and you want to know what was the difference and be able to restore it. So that you'd be able to do that now with uh, SpiceWorks 5.0. And then on the the other parts of the application, we've uh, added a lot of great new features to our help desk. Uh, uh, Among those, we have added the ability to track expenses as it relates to working in the IT department. So a big new purchases area has come in, which allows you to see, okay, For that ticket, this is the product I need to buy to close, that it was approved on such and such date, it was purchased on such and such date, and then it received on such and such date. And so this gives you visibility into not just the um, actual workflow, but also expenses associated with the the Spiceworks as with the help desk. And then another feature that goes along with it is uh, a people view. So when a ticket comes in, you want to be able to ask the question, you know, who's this ticket from? When was the last ticket created by this person? Be able to report on it. Be able to quickly pull in Active Directory information to say, well, that's the uh, classroom they're in, and uh, that's, you know, that's what that's the information about their profile. And so we're going to bring back information from Active Directory that'll give you a better sense of that. And all of this, I think, aids the uh, reporting at the end of the month or quarter, where you can go back and say, you know, I spent twenty percent of my time supporting you know these three teachers. Maybe it's time for them to get more training. Uh, just to be able to kind of you know do your job better, that's kind of what we're hoping to do. So those are some of the
1: highlights in the 5.0 release.
0: And none of this cost me a dime. None
2: of it cost you a dime. It's completely free.
1: Well, okay, and that leads right to my next question, or really it was kind of my first question as I was looking over your website was, uh, how are you guys monetized? Uh, is this like a freemium thing or, uh, uh, you know, what is it exactly that's getting you guys paid?
0: What's the catch?
1: Wait, yeah. A great question. So,
2: uh spiceworks is a web application and as you're using spiceworks over on the right hand side unobtrusive you will see ads from leading technology vendors so pretty much like anybody who's used gmail or any of the web properties on the consumer side have you know it's the same sort of mechanism on uh, on the, the spiceworks as well and we work with the leading technology providers that everybody used to like the dells of the world the microsoft of the world uh even the google's of the world advertise with spiceworks um, so that's effectively it. One of the things that uh, you know, when people first hear about the ad, they go, "Well, I don't know. Does it get in my way?" And the easiest way to do it is to just check it out, and you'll find that it's very, very unobtrusive and actually very useful too. In fact, we hear very often about people who say, "I know, I started using SpiceWorks, and within the first day, I found you know an ad from a vendor that told me there was a sale on a printer, and I actually saved the company money right from using SpiceWorks."
0: So do vendors ever have any Spiceworks-only deals for sort of insiders for those uh, that IT pro community that you talk about?
2: Absolutely. In fact, we're right now working with uh, uh, Rackspace, who's a leading provider of email hosting services, and they're offering something like a 20 to 50% discount for uh, Spiceworks users. And so we do a lot of those, and a lot of it has to do with the scale. We have over 1 million registered users of Spiceworks and so a lot of vendors wanna bring their specials to Spiceworks so that they can benefit the uh, Spiceworks community. There are other ways in this uh, that that this uh, also helps the user community as well. So one of the things we kind of talked about briefly was the Spiceworks community but because the community is so big and vibrant uh, vendors actually send some of their technical experts in to help answer questions. So for example if you go into the Spiceworks community into the licensing group there's an expert from Microsoft who answers questions on Microsoft licensing. So. Those are other examples of where Spiceworks makes money, but it provides a valuable service to users who want the definitive answer on a question they might have about licensing or a product or something like that.
0: So let's talk about that million users. Is that a million IT professionals, or does that count all the the end users as well?
2: No, that's one million registered IT professionals. So. Basically, people who register and use the Spicex application counted on that.
0: So, presumably, hundreds of millions of, of end users. Absolutely. All right. In six years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean,
2: uh, word of mouth is a very big factor. You know, people tell people, and uh, IT pros take recommendations from people they trust. And so, you know, likewise, you know, your, your users told you about us, and, and hopefully from hearing about this, other people will try it.
1: I'm curious about the, uh, it, well, on the website it specifically says join an IT pro community. So uh, that suggests several communities. or there's subsets of that community? How does that whole thing work out?
3: So the Spiceworks
1: community itself is quite large. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's one
2: big community of IT professionals. There are obviously subgroups and things like that within there, but it's just one large IT community. And you can, you know, depending on the, the organization that you are in, you can talk to other IT pros maybe in your own industry. Uh, we have users who kind of meet together at their local uh, city level and have what they call spice scores. We have about 20 spice scores around the world where people meet and discuss IT topics. So as with any large community, there are sub communities within it, but uh, spice is one large community of IT professionals around the world.
1: Well, and, and you, uh, in saying that, uh, actually having kind of meetups, uh, and there's something coming up in October. Is that right? Here in Texas, I believe.
2: That's a Great question. It's actually, uh, uh, our annual user conference called SpiceWorks. So the last weekend of, uh, week of uh, October, um, we have users come in from around the world, uh, to kind of meet us and talk to us about SpiceWorks and learn more about where we're going and learn more about how they can use SpiceWorks. Uh, it's always amazing to me how, from how far people come. And this year we have somebody coming in from Sweden.
0: Oh wow. So, uh, you said it's not open source, so you don't have any user, uh, code contributions. How many of your, um, feature contributions would you say came out of your user community?
2: I'd say a vast, um, almost all of them, because, uh, one of the things that we do is we work very closely with our user community to figure out how to build something. So this is probably one of the biggest differences you'll see with us, with is, uh, versus, you know, user, this is a product in a different model, is that you know, typically when you have a software you're trying to sell, then it's basically about, does your software do X? And then, you know, yes, it does X. I'm going to buy it. But in our case, you know, the way we make money is when people use our software. So it's a, it's, a, it's a radically different sort of perspective where we'll come to you and go, to our users and go, okay, we're trying to build this feature. How should it work? All right, if it was this and this, I'll use it. And then we work with users to continually fix it, improve it, so that they'll use it more and they'll find it useful. Uh, and then, uh, one other thing I wanted to add on top of that is that while the product itself is closed source, there are lots of ways to extend it and improve it. So one of the big, uh, big positives or reasons to use Spiceworks is this active user community. So for example, let's say you're trying to figure out if you're all patched and ready for the next big virus or, and you have the right Microsoft hotfix. There, you might go into the Spiceworks community and find a report that somebody else has written that allows you to check to see if that patches on your network on all the machines. You do a single click, you download it, and now you have access to that report that somebody else wrote. In a similar way, uh, people can write what we call plugins, which are basically uh, little extensions, kind of like if you were using Firefox, you would you know download some plugins from the, for Firefox. Same kind of idea, you download little plugins that allow you to kind of do your job, uh, kind of improve, uh, improve the user experience of Spiceworks. It could be everything from simple as some color scheme changes to, you know, vendors like Intel have written um, uh, sophisticated plugins that allow you to interact with the uh, computers running the Intel VPro chip. Um, and then the last piece I want to also add was like, you know, uh, SpiceWorks is available out of the box in English, but our users around the world have written language for it and translated into lots of different languages, which again, you can download from the SpiceWorks community and incorporate into the application. So there's a lot of extension points and the fact that there's a huge user community. Associated with it, the lots of plugins and scripts and things that make your users' files that much richer.
0: So, can individual users set their language preference?
2: Oh uh, yes, they can. So they can go on and you can uh, download a language pack and set it as the default language.
0: Okay, because here in Texas, that's a big deal. We're uh, Mexico North, and so uh, <laughs> uh, I know for example, yeah, if you,
2: want, you know, if you want all uh, all words, uh, that say all uh, users of the word "you" to be "all," you know, we can definitely do that with uh, that. <laughs>
0: Well, I was just thinking if, if uh, uh, say, our friends out in West Texas who are, who are straddling, you know, the border, you know, El Paso, they may have whole school districts where their primary user base speaks Spanish. Would I be able to use one uh, install base and have those users set their default while the other's default would be in English?
2: I, uh, yeah. And so the other thing you can also do is have the user portal piece be in uh, in, in Spanish versus English, depending on who you're serving as well, because – Typically, what you find is the IT professional can, uh, can deal with everything in English, but the, the user portal where they interact with the users that need to be in a different language because you're supporting, uh, uh, you know, some of our users are in Europe and they're supporting people from like three countries that speak three different languages. So that kind of situation also applies.
0: That's awesome. So uh, do you eat your own dog food? If the uh, secretary down the hall has a, a virus on her computer, does she open up Spiceworks and, and call tech support that way?
2: Absolutely. So uh, our internal IT team uses Spiceworks, and uh, as with uh, every challenge that you guys are used to, if I don't open a ticket and I just say, "Hey, Chris, can you help me?" He goes, "Open a ticket." I love that. He does use Spiceworks.
0: That's funny. I I actually have that written on the door outside my office. Have you opened a ticket? (laughs) All right. Well, that's great, guys. Uh, We're we're sold. Uh, Sean and I sit sitting back here. Every time you say something, we kind of give that, oh, yeah. kind of nod to each other there. <laughs> um. So what else uh, do you have any? What questions have we forgotten to ask?
2: Um. I think we've got everything. Um. I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess the main thing I want to, you know, maybe uh, uh I know Cole mentioned this one time, but the question that comes up is, well, what do I do next? And the answer is simply go to spiceworks.com and download the Spiceworks uh install installer on, on, a, on a test box and try it out and see for yourself. Uh, that's the best way to kind of say to sell it is just to try it.
0: Uh, what's the, I'm sure I'm not going to be able to put it on an old Windows 95 box. What, what version of Windows do I need to make sure I have?
3: Uh, XP or I usually is best and the, the actual specifications and the minimum specs that we require are on the website right before the download page.
0: Okay. Uh,
3: but it's pretty minimal.
0: Uh, Any issues with Windows 7 or Windows Vista uh, working with your client or or the server itself?
3: Not necessarily issues. Uh, There's a couple things that have changed in Windows 7 and Server 2008, Uh, specifically the way we gather software information and antivirus information. Uh, In XP, they use something called Security Center, and in 2008 and 7 and Vista, and move to Security Center Two, but we have fixed that issue in 5.0, and as soon as that is released, you won't notice those issues
0: anymore. Uh, what's the projected release date of that?
3: Uh, 5.0 is slated to come out
2: in uh, late September.
0: Okay, so very soon, right around the corner. Yeah.
2: And then the other thing with Five O is that the upgrades are painless. Uh, you just download, install the new version, and it upgrades all your database. You won't notice any any. You won't have to do anything extra. You just use the new features and enjoy it.
0: Okay. I don't have to bring the server down or anything like that in order to do it?
2: Um, yeah, the, the Spiceworks upgrade will automatically take care of that, but the entire upgrade process usually lasts a few minutes. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's usually five or ten minutes depending on, on the
3: machine you're running on, but it's, it doesn't
0: take very long. Um, from what you're describing, uh, uh, Spiceworks seems to be all pull. I'm pulling information. Is there any push capability? Can I push out software or make configuration changes on a, on a machine?
2: That's a great question. We primarily focus on getting all the information and showing you all the information you need to take actions. And so, what we do is we provide a lot of troubleshooting tools that allow you to kind of do the next step. So, let's say, for example, you uh, you go into you got a ticket that says something is you know you are not able somebody's not able to access a service or server or something like that. So, right there, you have access to things like ping and traceroute and all the normal network troubleshooting tools. You can also open remote control using DMT or RDP, directly to the box. Uh, as far as uh, push capability, we have uh, extensions that allow you to do things like maintenance uh, tasks. So you can set up this task that basically says, you know, uh, every weekend run defrag on these computers in this group. You can set that up. Uh, the other kinds of capabilities we have are power management capabilities. So you can basically say, you know what, I want all lab computers to go down uh, to suspend at um, you know six pm and then wake back up at seven am the next morning uh, for power savings. You can do those kinds of things as well. Um, so we don't have software distribution. That's definitely something we're looking into right now. Uh, but those are some examples of things we can do. Oh, and uh, before I forget, the other thing is the network config. We can obviously push network configs to routers and stuff like that as well. Okay. Yeah, and then the, uh, Cole just reminded me in 5.0, one of the big uh, things coming with the People View is that you'll be able to unlock users that are locked maybe or change their passwords. Because a common issue is that I got locked out or something like that happened, and you'd be able to just within a couple of clicks be able to do it all from within SpiceWorks, and never have to kind of you know go bring up another tool and take care of it.
0: Any possibility of allowing the end user to do that through the web interface? Uh, in time, yes. We just want to make sure
2: that we have, have the right sort of guards in place for our users to decide how they want that used, because obviously everybody's got their different perspective on uh, when users should be allowed to do that. Right. Um, so we have the capability in FIVO. What I predict will happen next is a plugin will come up, but somebody will just say, "All right, show this on the user portal with this uh, for for my environment."
1: Right, something with like a, a security question that they've got to answer or something like that.
2: Exactly. So we need to kind of nail
1: down those details, but I definitely see that.
0: So what? Uh, without saying it, you're saying that maybe by the end of the year we'd have that ability.
2: Um, that's a that's a right. Yeah, it's a very good possibility of that happening.
0: Okay, that was that was good marketing speak.
2: Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure because I know there are some things cast in stone, other things that are uh, that evolve really fast, and this is one of those.
1: Well, and one big one that we just we just recently went through was coming back off of the summer, and these teachers have been away from their computers for uh, you know several weeks to several months, and uh, it, it's,
0: uh, it's we've changed a lot of passwords yeah. recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet.
3: I can understand
0: that. All right, well, gentlemen, we uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, wow, that was a, a a lot of information, and I think my head's still swimming a little bit. Uh, uh, so yeah. I guess if if you don't have anything further, we'll just uh, thank you for your time and say good uh, good afternoon.
2: Great, thank
3: you. Can I just one more thing? Oh yeah, no, jump no I'm in. sorry, we're done. You, you <laughs> that's all. Once I've said
0: goodbye, that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah, that's it.
3: Um, I just wanted to add that the community itself was probably what drew me in the most. SpiceWorks, uh, you'll find you know with most forums sometimes there's there's some individuals that think they know everything and are not willing to help. I think that the thing that Spiceworks has done very well is, is shape a community where everybody is willing to help and courteous, and the information they give is accurate and to the point. Okay. Uh, I think that probably has helped me the most out of the jobs that I've had previous to this job.
0: Well, since you brought that up, uh, how uh, how is the user community moderated? Does, does Spiceworks employ people to uh, to handle that, or is it peer-moderated, or, or how does that work?
2: So one of the one of the great advantages of, uh, of SpiceFox is that since SpiceFox is used in a business setting, because you typically you know you you're using it to manage the network, and so you're at work. A lot, everybody is very professional in how they interact. So we have one community manager within with at at SpiceWorks is a SpiceFox employee, but a vast majority of it is self moderated, self policed, and uh, we've had really really uh, good uh, kind of. Community and culture develop within Spiceberg. So usually, uh, you know, one, because it's developed, when somebody comes in, they just see how everybody else is behaving in it, uh, in it's very courteous and very professional, and, uh, that has continued to continue to exist.
0: Alright. Cool. All right, guys. Well, once again, thank you, and uh, and um, I hope that uh, when this podcast uh, comes out, at least five or six people download your new tool. I'm sure
2: to fund a lot more than
1: that. Yeah, watch watch for that spike. It'll be from us. <laughs> <laughs> you'll,
3: you'll have to give us the link so we can uh, also send it to our Facebook friends and whatnot.
1: Absolutely. That'd yeah, be great. Yeah, and, yeah, and we'll uh, we'll definitely be posting on our uh, our website as far as links to SpiceWorks and uh, all of that information.
0: All right, thank you guys. Thank you. That was uh Tabrez Sayed and Cole Lakes of uh Spiceworks. Uh you can find their product at spiceworks.com sounds pretty impressive. Um, again, we had uh, uh, more than one user uh, in our community recommended uh, it and I know people who I work with who use it uh, and so it comes highly recommended and, and I can see why if, uh, if it does half of the things they said it does right. if they were only lying half of the time then it's it's really a, a pretty cool product.
1: I'm kind of curious uh, and I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before but we do have a test machine set up here in our in our office called Frankie and mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be curious to just throw it on there and just kind of kick the tires a little bit.
0: Yeah, but we call him Frank. He's Frankenstein. You know, when yeah. we need a part, we take it off of him, and he's <laughs> sort of mixed in, and sewn together. So that's why Frankie. Uh, that'd be interesting uh, just to see how well it, it works in on a regular desktop machine. I love the idea of a VM. Uh, you know, we're we're yeah. we're big on VMs here, and uh, and in fact, I've been working all day in a VM, and it's a it's a great thing because like four times now, I've had to just blast the hard drive and start over because I did something stupid. And if I did that on, <laughs> on a production server or even a physical box, it would take a lot more time. So in a VM, it's really, really handy. Uh, and to hear that they uh, uh, support that. And and uh, if I understood him correctly there, Tabrez said that they're working on a product that will actually look inside your VM and, and enumerate uh, in your VM server and enumerate what's on it. And that's... That's pretty impressive. So they they obviously have some uh, um, expertise in that field.
1: Well, and, you know, uh, I guess this kind of really goes with uh, just who we are. But as far as uh, having to have some ads served up off to the side, uh, you know, if you're a true Taiwan tech, you're okay with that. That starts to blend into the right. background anyways. Yeah, so.
0: anybody in the Google world has just become immune to that sort of stuff anyway. Right. Any Facebook user has seen that. As long as it's not blinking and and some flash ad, uh, it doesn't bother me at all. And, and you know, most people understand that so they got to make money somehow.
1: Right, right. Developers I'd rather have to eat. I'd rather have to look at a few ads off to the side than, uh, you know, open my yeah. wallet.
0: <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely be uh, trying um, – uh, spice works out here at our school, and and I hope that, uh, that some of you folks out there will too. And and let us know, uh, let us know what uh, the results are. Uh, again, we uh, we always uh, want to hear your feedback, but uh, in this case in particular, if we're making a recommendation, I'm not sure we are, but uh, uh, we're pretty close to it uh, at this point. Uh, if we're if we're making a recommendation and, and it sucks, you know, we want you guys to tell us if it's great. We want you to tell everybody.
1: Yeah, because right now I think we're the middleman. Right. I mean, we've heard a lot about it and we're just kind of passing that along. And hopefully if we do end up using it, then, uh, you know, maybe a few months down the road, we can do another one and, and really give our own recommendation, talk about how great it is.
0: All right, and speaking of uh, feedback, um, we wanted to uh, give a little shout-out to the user Kevin. He didn't list his last name, who uh, commented on our Episode 9. Um, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I loved his post. I don't really have an opinion on forums or Facebook or the other debate, but I did want to check in and let you know that I listen and love the show. Um, And then he talks about uh, what he does for a living. And then he says, but I have a small request. In a future show, could you discuss some of the other podcasts that you guys like to listen to? I've become a bit of a podcast addict while I drive, and I'm always (laughs) looking for new ones to try out. And uh, that's exactly how Sean and I first got into podcasts as well, is is listening on the commute. Right. And uh, I think that's uh, a way to go out there. And, Kevin, we will give you some podcasts but you have to promise that if you get overloaded, you won't drop ours.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, we have to make the short list.
0: Because it's really easy. When you get into podcast, you're downloading 50 of them, and you just don't have enough commute. And you find that like three weeks later, you still haven't listened to this one podcast. Kevin, I want you to promise me, I'm listening right now, wherever you are, I'll know. <laughs> I want you to promise me that if you start dropping podcasts, it won't be the tightwad Tech. So, having said that, um, I'll let Sean start with some of his favorite uh, podcasts because uh, I, I have a feeling we're going to have several in common.
1: Right, and I guess uh, I'll go back to our beginning, right? So, when we really got into podcasts, uh, I I think that was mostly a function of me and I stumbled across this guy uh, known as uh, Leo Laporte. And uh, he's the tech guy and he's been doing uh, really radio and, and podcast shows for Oh gosh, I don't know, Mark, what, 15, 20 years, something like that? Uh, He goes, he goes back pretty far. For podcasting? Well,
0: and radio, I'm saying. Right. He's a radio guy from long back, but he's actually only started podcasting in 2005. Yeah.
1: But he was, he was doing uh, major radio shows uh, before that. uh, And so he's got an entire network now that's uh, the, the Twit network is This Week in Tech. Uh, Twit.tv. So, right. And I listen to a number of his shows, and um, this is where we're going to have duplicates. And uh, really, most of our podcasts are duplicates. But uh, a great one is Security Now with uh, Steve Gibson.
0: We've mentioned Steve Gibson and Security Now in a previous episode. Right. Uh, that's my A number one. Uh, I listen to that first. And there are a lot of podcasts I listen to while I'm doing something else. Steve, you can't listen to while you do something else. You yeah. have to stop yeah. and you focus on what the, the man this says.
1: This guy is a genius, and he talks talks at that level and uh it's yeah you you don't want to be focusing on anything else when you're listening to his um and if you're a network admin uh you know or anybody who's in charge of uh, security of a network or anything else uh you need to be listening to this podcast Uh, it should be required listening for anybody who's in charge of a network uh anything else there that that is that's that's top of the list um okay so uh of uh the Leo Laporte stuff. Uh I also like to listen to This Week in Google and uh we are a Google Apps for Education school, so uh, This Week in Google I always like to check in on and see what's going on in the Googleverse. Um
0: that's another one I listen to regularly.
1: Yeah, uh one of my favorites that uh, that he offers is Net at Night, which is uh it's with Amber MacArthur and she's really got a good finger on what's new and exciting out there on the web, so uh I like to listen to that one because that typically turns me into uh, turns me on to some things that maybe teachers will enjoy in the classroom. Uh, you know, you find new interesting websites and stuff, and so. Uh I like that one.
0: And that at night is, uh, it's on my stream too, but it's the first one I delete if I get behind. Uh, you know, it's, for me, it's bubblegum for the brain. It's very high It's very web 2.0. It's very Twitter, Facebook. Uh, it's, it's nice knowing it's out there. But again, it, it, it depends on what you're into.
1: Right. And, and that's, that's exactly it. And I think that, is a good uh, indicator of the types of people that we are and what we do in our jobs. Cause uh, it wouldn't be that, that interesting. If you're the network admin, uh, if you're the mark, uh, that one's going to fall down on your list uh, for somebody like me that interacts with the teachers a little bit more closely. Uh, uh, it's a little more interesting and it seems like I can offer up things out of that podcast more often to teachers. Uh, another one that I just recently started listening to and I'm not sure uh, I had just seen it in the last month but uh was this week in computer hardware. So again, uh if you go to twit.tv you're going to find all of these. Uh and this is uh th- these are geeky guys and it sounds like, you know, kind of they're more like gamers and things like that and they really get into uh uh high-end hardware and uh, tweaking computers and overclocking and things like that, but it's uh it's it's still an interesting one. Uh, and then I've got to go to my number one, which is completely not tech related, which is the Two Plus Two Poker Cast. Uh, uh, so I'm uh, an enthusiastic poker player, and
0: Sean uh, is a former nationally ranked poker player. Uh, yes, <laughs> he's not. He's not just a, a nerd. He's a he's a hardcore poker player.
1: Right. So uh, I, I've listened to several poker podcasts, but that one's the top of my list. And if I've got a new episode of that on my uh, on my phone then uh, that's the one I'm jumping to. So.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah, that's his uh, his version of my Steve Gibson. Um, continuing on, um, also in the uh, the real the Report realm is this weekend, uh, excuse me, Windows Weekly. Every, everything's this weekend, so I yes. just uh, instinctively start with that. Windows Weekly with Paul Therat. Um, I'm a Windows guy. As much as I like Linux, uh, I make my living on Windows. And so um, – that's a good one to listen to if you manage a, a bunch of Windows, uh, uh, computers. Uh, he talks about, uh, uh, all, all sorts of stuff. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, branching out from, uh, the Hack Five, uh, from the, uh, Twit Network, uh, Hack Five is a, is one of my favorites. It's H-A-K and the number five. Um, they've been around. Their, their tagline is Techno Lust since 2005. Yeah, I they've love Hack Five. Those um, guys are great. Yeah, they're, it's, uh, they're more about, uh beer and boobs and tech you know it's that that kind of mentality uh um so if you're if you're you know the kind of guy who likes to get drunk and mod a, a PC while you're at it you know they are they're, they're kind of into that uh, sort of thing and and uh moving along that whole line the uh, there's the Jupiter uh broadcasting network uh um my favorite uh episode uh, show in their network is uh uh the Linux action show uh but uh it's uh um uh, Brian Lunduke and and uh, uh, Chris Fisher uh, have a number of different shows, and literally the name of one of them is called Beer Is Tasty. So you know if you're if you're <laughs> if you're one of those guys, they're they're uh, the neckbeard uh, guys. They're into the the super heavy geek stuff, you know, and and will uh, rant on and on about uh, uh, you know the latest. Mod to, uh, some kernel file in Linux that I don't care about, but, um, they're really <laughs> stick heavy. They're heavy on, on the stick and, and sometimes light on the information, uh, not always. Now, usually the information is good, but, um, anyway, uh, just, uh, just, uh, to put that out there, jupiterbroadcasting.com. They have a number of shows there from the daily, uh, to the weekly, um, and one another uh Texas based podcast is the the Tech Chick Tips. Uh, oh, yes. they're very irregular about putting things out. Uh they don't do necessarily weekly or monthly or even quarterly. It's just kind of when they can get together. Uh very teacher centric. Uh you techs out there won't get anything from it other than stuff you can pass on to your teachers. They are a couple of teachers and uh and uh it's a it's an interesting podcast. And uh another one I listen to is Wesley Fryer's Moving at the Speed of Creativity. Um, I'll be honest with you. A lot of his delivery is very dry and very boring Don't listening to him. Don't listen to him when you're sleepy. Uh, but, um, he's one of those guys, he, uh, He's sort of the uh the the Gonzo style uh, uh uh podcaster. We we try to uh you know have as best we can. We've set up a studio here and we uh, uh produce things as much as possible and, and 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 try to make the sound quality as good as we can and, and 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 that sort of thing. He's the kind of guy who just walks around with a recorder and when something interesting happens presses the record button and has an interview. Yeah. So okay. um we know, you know a few people like right. that. Right. And he's, you know, he's he's in that vein. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not the direction we wanted to go with our show. But uh, a couple of episodes back, he interviewed the lady who uh, used to work for the NORAD Traxana project. <laughs> okay. And he was sitting outside on a covered porch thing at a scout camp. <laughs> and uh, was talking to her, and it sounded interesting, so he just hit record and made it a podcast. So you never know what you're going to get out of Wesley Fryer, but it's usually going to be education-centric and often classroom-centric. That's his, uh, his uh, primary focus. So uh, that's that's pretty much my hit list there of podcasts. Uh, there are others that sort of stream in here and there, but those are the ones that I always go back to.
1: Right, and I guess, uh, no surprise, we're, we're very tech-heavy, but... Um, uh, not a whole lot out there and that's kind of what led us to doing this is when you start looking for a good solid education technology podcast there's not a whole lot out there
0: so we hope we're filling a, a need
1: right all right uh tips of the week okay uh, you want to go first or you want me
0: Uh, I'll go. Uh, Last week I mentioned a CD burning uh, utility called CD Burner XP, and I made mention of the fact that it doesn't burn, it burns data DVDs but not video DVDs. For video DVDs, I recommend a tool called DVD Flick, and DVD Flick can be found at DVDFlick.net. And the user interface is a little um, confusing. At first, but I've never found anybody who just flat couldn't use it. From from yeah. the most technophobic teacher to uh, the elementary student, they all figure it out uh, sooner or later. It's uh, it's not just it's not Mac. It's not Mac easy, yeah. but it does work. Well,
1: here's here's a good use case scenario, I guess, or uh, you know, kind of speaks to that a little bit. Uh, what was it? I think just last week we had the, the football coaches had spent multiple thousands of dollars on some video editing software. <laughs> and, uh, it couldn't, well, it, it, I guess it has the capability to burn DVDs, but they couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, and, uh, I turned them onto this and, you know, showed them how to just basically put it out there for them and said, Hey, use this to burn the DVD and, Within one or two tries, they they had it down pretty well.
0: And if a coach can do it, you know, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. So DVD yeah. Flick, check that out for uh for making uh, DVDs. Of course, if you uh have a modern uh version of Windows, Windows 7 or Windows Vista, it's got DVD DVD burning built right in with with animated buttons and all that sort of stuff. But if you're still back on Windows XP or a Linux user, DVD Flick is is cross-platform. It works on, on both Windows and Linux. Uh don't know if it works on the Mac. I never bothered to look that up. Uh right. because I'm sure the Mac probably has something that's sort of where they excel, is oh, sort yeah. of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, DVD flick. Check it out.
1: All right. So, the teacher tip of the week is Sculptress, and uh, it's at Sculptress, S C F- U L T Wait, let me get my spelling right. I'm, I can't, Sculpt. I can't see over my uh, mic here. S-C-U-L-P-T-R-I-S dot com. Uh, what Sculptris is, it's a 3D sculpting software and, uh, it's really cool. It just gives you kind of a blob of clay or a ball of clay, a uh, virtual clay there. Digital clay. Right. And it, so when I looked at it, the first thing I thought is kind of like, uh, GIMP, but 3D, I guess, maybe. Um, I will say, the interface is not for the the noob. Uh, it, it's going to be uh, there's a pretty good learning curve here, but uh, I guess that would be expected. But when you look at it, uh, first off, and of course we'll have to post the uh, the link to the trailer, but they have a trailer at their website, and uh, that's just hosted on YouTube, and uh, you get to watch somebody who obviously has a great deal of skill, not only using the software but also as an artist Uh, but uh, you get to see how powerful this thing is and it's it's free and it's uh, it's pretty amazing that the software is free Um, I was watching it and all I could think about was uh, how cool it would be to take something a software like that and put it into not really the technology apps teachers classroom but to put it into the art teachers classroom and, uh, I know typically the art teacher probably doesn't have a classroom full of computers. Uh, ours don't either, but, uh, you know, certainly, uh, they could have kids go to a lab or, or something like that. But I think it'd be a really neat, you know, extra medium that they could offer up to the students. And, uh, certainly today's students, uh, would probably latch right onto that. And, you know, if, We still have a teacher listening at the end of this episode. (laughs) This has been tech heavy. But uh, if you are that teacher and you do follow these links and you go and you look at this thing and you think, oh, it's going to take me forever. I'm never going to learn how to use this thing. You don't have to. You don't have to. Put this in the hands of your students and let them go and they'll amaze you. Uh, That's about all I can say.
0: That could be said in general. uh, Dr. Green, when we had him on, made the similar comment. Don't teach the tool. Teach the art right and the tool is just you know there
1: yeah so that that's i look at the sculptress and if you look at it you know think of it in that light is you can you can see the power there and you know if you're an art teacher uh teach the kids about anatomy you know and sculpting anatomy or whatever it is the objects and and light and uh you know light and shadow and all of those things and don't worry about teaching the software the, the kids will jump right into the software and uh villaji so uh sculptress dot com
0: all right and uh so I guess that uh pretty well wraps it up. this has been a fairly lengthy episode and uh and uh a fairly geeky episode if the uh, teachers are out there I warned you at the beginning of the show that it was going to be tech heavy if you stuck with us uh, you're to be commended and right. uh, and and we'll hope to have something uh, more uh, teacher centric for you next time and to that end uh, let us know what you want to hear about this uh, episode was entirely user generated listener generated they said hey this is something you should check out uh, we didn't know anything about it so we went to the company and said hey uh, bring us some experts and they did it's amazing if you give people the opportunity to hawk their products, they will jump at it. Yes. And so, uh, we've got a couple other things in the pipe that are similar that people have sent to us and, and we just don't know anything about it. And, uh, with scheduling and we're just trying to figure out, uh, ways and we've got some things in the works, but we're going to try to get you experts and we're not just going to talk at random about these things. And it's been pretty amazing that, uh, they're always willing to talk to a couple of nobodies who just happen to like to, to hear themselves recorded
1: yeah i always feel funny when i contact somebody at one of these companies and i'm like uh you really don't know me but you know i kind of feel and that there's way no reason you, know. you should right yeah. and uh you know it, it's funny because you send out and it's typically over email but you send something out and you think i'm not even going to get a response and so often you get, you know, the CEO or, right. or somebody, you know, that's uh, excited because, like you said, just like people like to talk about themselves, if they have a product, they like to talk about right. that product. So. so,
0: if you've got something out there you want to hear about, uh, contact us. Let us know. You can find us at thetightwadtech.com. Our email address is there. You can uh, leave a comment on the blog. We read every one of them. We don't always uh, respond to them, but we do read them all. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Again, all that stuff can be found at our website at uh, thetaiwadtech.com and uh, we look forward to hearing from you this is uh, interactive programming you tell us what to do and if we can we'll go do it right and so uh, until next time until we hear from you again and you hear from us again this is Mark signing out and Sean signing off.